Alright, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. Before we get started today, let's consider this our lobby moment where we have an opportunity to get to know one another. If you would, please share your name and maybe from where you might be worshiping with us today. In just a moment here, you'll see a countdown letting us know that worship is about to begin, and you can prepare your heart during that time. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. worship the Lord this morning. Sing, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth
people from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you.
much for always being there when we call. Father, for all the things that have happened the past few months, and even the, the months and the years to come, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Father, you are there every time, anywhere, wherever, Father, we are, you're always there when we call. So we thank you today, Father. We thank you that as we remember your faithfulness, we can enter the new week excited, full of joy, full of hope, and full of faith. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Hi, welcome to Second City Church. I'm Sarah Baker, campus missionary at Second City. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Before we get started with announcements, please take a moment to prayerfully invite someone to church by sharing this live stream link and checking us out on YouTube. Throughout today's message, click the request prayer button and we would be honored to stand with you in prayer in a private chat thread. Prayer counselors are standing by now or anytime throughout the message. At Second City Church, our vision is Christ, community, and culture. We're here to worship Jesus Christ, share life together in community, and be empowered to impact our culture by bringing the kingdom of God in every sphere of influence. Here are some ways to practically get connected. At the end of today's message, you'll see an opportunity in the chat box to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life today. Click the link so we can get connected with you and help you get started in this amazing new life with Jesus. You can join a community group by going to the website. Join a group to get connected with others and practically apply God's word in our lives. Navigate over to secondcitychurch.com and click the culture tab to find all the ways to engage our culture with the good news of Jesus and bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Membership class is today, Sunday, October 17th, after service. Do you want to know the history of God's work at Second City Church? Is God possibly calling you to join in the mission He has us on? Then come check out the membership class. We are now rebuilding our children's ministry since the pandemic. Kids, join us 15 minutes before service online from 9.45 a.m. to 10 a.m. for the children's ministry. And men's group is Saturday, October 23rd, the second and fourth Saturday of every month from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Join some of the men in the church as they come together to seek and follow Jesus. This group covers relevant life application Bible studies and book studies along with prayer and accountability. Now let's continue our worship through time of giving. Second Chronicles 25, 14-15 says, After Amaziah came from striking down the Edomites, he brought the gods of the men of Seir and set them up as his gods and worshipped them, making offerings to them. Therefore the Lord was angry with Amaziah and sent to him a prophet who said to him, Why have you brought sought why have you sought the gods of the people who did not deliver their own people from your hand? Today we worship Jesus Christ who has delivered us from sin and eternal separation from him. He wants us desperately to be with him and he alone is worthy of our offerings. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, thank you for giving us a second chance, a second life through Jesus Christ, God, to anybody that turns um, from trying to do it on ourselves, by ourselves, and God, we turn and trust and obey you. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to what you want to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we'll have a message. 
All right, we hope that you're well today and we are so glad that you've chosen to join us for our service. Now today what we're doing is we're continuing our new series called Re-Engage by actually talking about the second part of what we need to re-engage is the community of faith in God. Um, we know that over the past two years, people have literally been driven into isolation, that the healthy habits of social interaction that were uh, maybe more uh, readily accessible and familiar um, prior to the pandemic have been damaged and need to be rehabilitated in a sense as we go forward. Um, but that's applied to not only uh, the world at large, but specifically even to the community of faith, where people um, on average now are um, finding the encouragement that they need from the gatherings of the people of God 1.5 times on average statistically a month rather than the daily encouragement that God himself prescribes for us in scripture. We know that we have daily challenges. We know that we need daily encouragement. And God gives us his word and his exhortation to not forsake the gathering of the brethren for a reason. So today we're going to actually talk about re-engaging community, but we're going to do it in a different manner today. We're not going to just talk about our need for community, but we're going to talk about and really try to address one of the reasons why people do not come back into community. And many times it's because of the past or the mistakes that they've made by which they feel like they cannot be accepted again in the community of faith. But we're going to address that head on by looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. But before he was called the Apostle Paul, before he was actually writing three-fourths of the New Testament letters by the uh, hand of the Holy Spirit, when he was called, uh, when he was a man named Saul, and he was not a friend of Jesus or the church, but actually an opponent who had to get saved baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then learn to live as a humble part of the community thereafter. So today our message is going to focus on this statement that we will re-engage the community of faith when we realize that God's grace is truly greater than any of our sin. And we're going to talk about it in three parts today. We're going to talk about first a checkered past that all of us have. We all have a checkered past that we need to um, embrace and uh, really come out of. Number two, we, we need to understand the word that we need help to see as God is opening our eyes to the kingdom of God and he's opening our lives to new life in him that it's through the community of faith that he gives us help to see in that new life. And then finally, we're going to talk about the grace of God, which is found in the community of faith. And so before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that God, you have brought us all as believers from a place of from darkness to light, from death to life, and from the power of Satan to God. And God, I'm praying that today as we look into your word, you would help us to not only celebrate that reality, but celebrate the fact that you brought us not just to the head, who is Jesus, but you brought us to his body, which is the church, the community of faith by which you continually pour out your grace to us to grow and be molded and shaped into your image. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's open by talking about a checkered past. First of all, we were readily admitting that we all, me included, we all have a checkered past from which we've come. We all have sin in our lives that we've fallen short of God's glory. In fact, the scripture says that all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. And we know that even though God made us for uprightness, we've all throughout our lifetimes gone in search of many schemes that have been both uh, maybe pleasurable in the moment, but destructive in the end. And ultimately, God comes to save us from lifestyles, patterns, and cycles of destruction and bring us into the life abundant that he has for us. And so to do so, to walk into that place of life abundant that Jesus has for us, what we've got to do is first come to grips with the checkered past that we all have before him. And we all have ultimately a checkered past from which God wants to heal us, including the patriarchs and the matriarchs of the faith that we read about in the scripture. And today, one of those people that we're going to look at is, again, like I mentioned, the Apostle Paul, who in Acts chapter 9, it shows us the place that he started and the place that God brought him by his grace. And so let's read this together. It'll give great encouragement to you no matter where you're starting today in your seeking God, questioning God, or your walk with him. So it says this in verse 1. But Saul, who would later be called Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, and that's what um, the followers of Jesus were called. They were known as a sect of Judaism during the time in the life of the early um, church fathers, the apostles. They were known as the way followers of Jesus, who was the way, the truth, and the life. And we see this Paul, who, who, who was then called Saul. He didn't start off on a good track. He was, as the scripture says, an opponent of Jesus and an opponent of the church. And it said that he was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So regardless of where you find yourself today, I know that when I was growing up, I was uh, not breathing threats or murder against the Lord's disciples, but I was very much a mocker of the things of God. I was very much a mocker of the church. I was very much a mocker of people who called themselves followers of Jesus. I often thought that if you were following Jesus, it was somehow just a crutch for your life, that you weren't able to handle life on your own, and so you needed a crutch to help you handle it. Much like the Apostle Paul, though, I would um, come to a living encounter with Jesus that would, not because I had a perceived need in God, but because I saw the Lord as he actually is, living, breathing, ruling, and reigning over heaven and earth, that my life changed before him. And um, I hope that that is the case for many of you today. And for the others of you, let me, let, me, let me also tell you that if you don't find yourself an opponent of the Lord, but you find yourself one who's just living and trapped in sin, the good news is, is that Paul in his heart was trapped and bent against the Lord. But God was coming, as we'll see here, to rescue him and set him free from his checkered past. So let's go on and read. It says again that Paul went to the high priest and asked him, for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he, meaning Paul, heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he, meaning Paul, said, Who are you, Lord? 
And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. It said, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And so let me tell you this. This is, this is good news for anybody who's making their way to the Lord. If God, if you feel like God is drawing you, know that God can draw you from any place. Because not only did Paul um, call Saul at this moment, was he a person who at his time was living a life opposed to the Lord, but he was dragging them off to be jailed, but and many of them killed for their faith. Now, Paul was known and would even later identify himself as a persecutor of the church prior to his conversion. But if you found that you are in that place, God says that he wants to meet you just like he met Paul on the road. But here is an important point about the checker pass that God brings you from. When God is calling you, it is not at the um, same time necessarily as everyone else around you. We see that Paul was on his way to Damascus with a group of men who also heard the same word from Jesus that Paul heard. They heard the same word from Jesus that Paul heard, where Paul was questioned, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So you could be on this virtual space right now with other people who are also being drawn by the Lord and hearing the same exact word of the gospel that you are hearing today. But just because other people aren't responding to it doesn't mean that it's not your time to do so. Just because other people in your friendship group, or in your family, in your coworker circle are not responding to that which you know God is clearly showing you about himself does not mean that your time has not come. And ultimately, if you are going to respond to Jesus, you've got to respond when you not only hear his voice, but you also see the light. When you see the light and you actually understand and have revelation that Jesus is in fact this sinless son of God who historically came to the earth, walked amongst humanity, and by the testimony of both his followers and his opponents did miracle signs and wonders. And he drove out demons, setting people free in their hearts and their minds from the oppression that afflicted them. When you embrace that because it's an historic truth and you understand the good news of his death, burial, and resurrection as it actually is, news that has been reported to you. It's not a cleverly invented story. It's not a bedtime tale. It is basically an historic fact that Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins. When you not only hear that message, but the light turns on and you click, you need to respond to the Lord and not walk, but run to him in repentance and faith because you realize who God is. It said that about Saul when he was on the road, when Jesus made his appearance to him, he said, now I've got a new direction for you. Go into the city and I'm going to tell you what you must do. Go into the city and I'm going to tell you what you must do. You're no longer going to persecute my church. Repent of that. 
change your mind, go in a different direction. I'm going to tell you what you must do, but you're going to do it with the help of others. You're going to do it with the help of others. I'm going to appear to you. I'm going to make myself known to you, but you're not going to do it on your own. And we need to reject this idea in Western Christianity that this is somehow just an individual spirituality that we have. Whenever God is talking about a biblical faith or a biblical walk with Jesus Christ, it is in the midst of community. So if you are trying to do it alone, if you are trying to do it without being connected to the rest of the body, if you're only connected to the head, then ultimately it's going to lead to a distortion and a deterioration of ultimately your biblical faith because you're not following God's biblical manner. But when you do obey what he said to do, to be attached not only to the head, who is Jesus, but also to his body, then you can get the help that you need to see and actually see the kingdom of God as it is which is not just about you, but it's about God, his people, and the world. And then you can actually walk in it effectively. But before we do that, we have to ask the question, have I actually been changed by God? Am I going in a different direction from the checkered past that was set up against and in opposition to God? Am I going in a different direction? And how has God saved and changed me? If I'm not able to proclaim or communicate a testimony of what God's done in my life, then maybe I've been hearing the words, but I've not seen the light yet. And God wants to bring you to a place where you have revelation, see the light, and ultimately give your life wholly to him, serving him as Lord. But when your eyes are opened, again, we all need help to see. We all need help to see clearly what God is trying to do in our lives. And this is what Paul experienced when he was blinded for three days after this encounter with Jesus. And he was led into the, um, into the city to wait for the instructions that God was going to give him so that he might follow him as Lord. And it says in verse 10 of Acts chapter 9, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his strength. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. So we see that what we ultimately um, need is that when we come to Jesus, it's not just about God having a plan to reconcile us to God. 
God also wants to reconcile us through Jesus' work on the cross to have us reconcile to other people, meaning other believers, his church, one another. And so Paul was immediately led to this place on Straight Street, and then God said, hey, listen, it's not going to be just enough that you learn about me or hear from me yourself. I'm going to involve the participation of another disciple named Ananias. And I'm going to give him specific instruction to teach you what it means to serve the Lord. And so Ananias went, laid hands on him, saw God fill him, Paul, with the Holy Spirit. The scales fell from Paul's eyes. He was able to see. And then he was also, what? Invited into the community of faith so that he might be strengthened and taught to be a disciple. So what we see is that in the example of Ananias, those who have been healed are enlisted by Jesus to help heal. When you've received the grace of God in your life and he begins healing your life as you turn to him, he ultimately equips you to be a healer for other people's as well for other people as well, so that they too might learn what it means to serve the Lord and gain their sight. For example, when I came to the Lord, I grew up living um, the normal lifestyle in our society that most people do. I was a serial dater. I went from woman to woman, many times um, uh, mistreating them relationally, breaking promises, cheating, doing all types of things that we would obviously condemn today. But the thing about it is, is when I came to Jesus, I needed a picture in my mind. How do I treat people, women purely? How do I treat women with respect? How do I honor a relationship, a, even a romantic relationship that God's giving me with fidelity to one day be a good husband and ultimately a good father? I needed somebody to teach me, to show me, open my eyes, show me how to do that well. And so in the community of faith, in the church community that God put me as a part of, there were men of God who actually were an example to me of that. They taught me God's word. They said, oh, Roland, open your eyes. This is how you have right and pure interaction with women. This is how you have, as a husband, a servant leadership in the home. This is how as a father, you are patient and loving and protective. These are the things that you want to do as a man of God. And this is what Ananias ultimately and the church at large did for Paul prior to him even writing the scripture by the hand of the Holy Spirit that would instruct all of us to this day. And so those who have been healed, meaning Ananias at some point was healed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself through the gospel, he was sent to heal and be a part of Paul's healing and him coming to, into being a disciple himself. And so what we see is we need to understand that in everyone's life, it is a, the Lord's work in our life is a process. And the more you seek him, the more you'll be changed by him. But a lot of times when you seek him, you'll understand that he's found not just somewhere in isolation, but he's found amongst his people. That's why Jesus said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am with them. And what's with the implication that they're seeking him together. This is church community. And for Saul, his sight was restored instantaneously 
For others, it might take some time. And what I'm talking about is people who've um, uh, not only come to the Lord already, but people who are on their way to the Lord. And if we are going to be people who aren't just like Paul who've received healing, but like Ananias who've received healing and now are offering healing to others, like we talked about last week, ultimately we're going to be about Jesus' business, re-engaging Jesus and re-engaging the community of faith to grow, but grow in such a way that we become fishers of men of other people. And the other people might be like Saul at this moment. They might be people who do not have an interest in the Lord right now, but they need the same healing that we ourselves have received. Do you know people like that in your community? People who desperately need an encounter with Jesus to know his life, to know his forgiveness, to know his commands, to know his restoration in their lives because their lives have been ravaged by sin. Even if they have success in the eyes of the world, their private lives are being ravaged by sin and God wants to bring them to himself through the cross of Jesus to heal them. Well, many times we, we, we think to ourselves, well, you know, I'm being strengthened in this community. I know I'm supposed to be not just like Paul, but like Ananias, one who's healed and then also acting as a healer. But I, I don't see in my immediate circle people who are responding like Paul did instantaneously. And so I'm tempted to want to disengage being a fisher of men and give up on God's work in other people's lives. But the truth is, is though it was instantaneous for Paul, for other people, it might be a process as you act in the role of Ananias to help be a healer to others. And there was something called the Engel Scale that was adapted by another ministry to help explain the process that God many times has in the life of other people to lead them to himself. And you can see in their notes um, a picture of that scale, but it's really the process that it takes from somebody being set opposed to God, being set opposed to God in opposition like, the, like Saul was, to actually being a radical disciple of the Lord Jesus like the Apostle Paul was in his latter years after this encounter at Damascus, after being added to the community of faith, after being helped by Ananias and others so that he was living as a full-fledged disciple of Jesus. And in the chart, we see that really somebody that you might know and love might start as on a scale of 1 to 10, a negative 12. And in that scale, if you would look on this chart, what we see is that when somebody did not grow up in the faith or did not grow up exposed to the church, they might start off as a negative 12, one who is just ultimately in their life avoiding the truth. But the good news is that just as Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, faith comes by hearing, not only in our lives, but in other people's lives, and hearing by the word of Christ. So the more that we hear the good news of Jesus, the more that faith is being built in our hearts and other people's hearts to come to Christ. And so as we continue to communicate our testimony and the good news of Jesus to the people who need healing as we act in the role of Ananias. We might see these others in our lives avoid the truth as a negative 12 first, but then they progress and they move to one who's not necessarily avoiding their truth, they're just going their own way. 
They continue to hear the word of God and they go from a place of going their own way to being aware of the messenger. They notice that there's something different in your life that they themselves want. Then they recognize the differences between you, the messenger, and the rest of the world. They're, it's actually better when I go God's way. Then they begin to look positively at the Bible. You continue to minister the word and the truths of God to them. Then they become a negative seven, recognizing the relevance of the Bible for their lives. You keep preaching, then they are aware of the gospel, the good news of Jesus and what he's done for them. They understand next the implications of the gospel. Then they consider the truth of the gospel and then recognize their own need for the gospel in their lives. Next, they see Christ as the answer for the healing that they need. They turn from self-trust as a next step, and they ultimately put their trust in Jesus at their moment of meeting him in salvation. But that's not just it. God says, just like Paul met him, um, of Jesus, on the road to Damascus, God inserted him into a community of faith where he learned to do what? Well, we see that once uh, they meet Christ, it's ground zero. They are a new creation and have an opportunity for new life in Jesus. But then, positive one, they begin to assimilate God's word in their lives. They, number two, join in community life and become an active participant in it. Number three, they make Christ-like choices. They become and actually live like a disciple. Then number four, they choose to share their faith with others, becoming the fisher of men that Jesus intended for each of us to be. And then ultimately, they choose to live by faith and actually be and do all that God commanded them to in the world. It is when, as we invite people into the intentional relationships found in church community that they are able to hear the word of God and progress along this scale of faith. So first, all of us, because we have a checkered past, we all start off in the place of the Apostle Paul, who was at that time known as Saul. But then as we receive our healing, we move into a place of being like Ananias and help others who are in the place of Saul move along the angle scale, hearing the word of God repeatedly through intentional engagement with them and invitation into church community where they can hear the word of God. Then they begin to progress along the line of faith and God works in their life to transform them by his grace as well. So the question is, who do you um, know who needs to be invited into the community of faith that they too, like Saul, might be moved along this angle scale and ultimately receive the healing that you yourself enjoy? Ultimately, as we think about these things and we invite people into this type of community and live in it ourselves, we find the grace of God in the community of faith. And ultimately, this is what Paul found in Acts chapter 9. Let's go back to verse 20, and this is where we'll end. It says, For some days he, meaning Paul, was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, It is not, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews 
who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. And ultimately, God releases his grace to live and grow in power and strengthen him in the midst of community. You see, what Paul had to overcome in, um, in terms of re-engaging the community is he had to overcome the checkered past from which he had come from. Ultimately, people knew who he was. He, they knew what he had done. They knew his reputation. And maybe you have a reputation today. Or maybe it's not a reputation that you're dealing with, but you're dealing with the things in your mind, the accusations of the enemy in your mind, the failings and the sin that you feel like over the past two years you've been trapped in because of your discouragements and the oppression that was going on in the world around us. And you feel like, listen, I cannot re-engage community because they know who I am, they know what I've done, and they'll never accept me. But the truth is, is that we see by the clear word of God, God says, if he accepts you, there is no one who has the right to reject you. And when you've been cleansed by the blood of the lamb, when you've been cleansed by the word of God, what you see is that you have the right to stand amongst any man or woman who also is in need of that grace. And Paul was brave enough, he pushed past the discomforts of being known not only for who he was, but who God was making him to be. And then ultimately, because of that choice, he grew more and more powerful in the Lord. Paul increased in strength, not in isolation, but being part of the purposes of God in community. And that's where he himself learned, like Ananias, to be a witness for the transformation that God had done in him that God wanted to offer to the world. Jesus calls him to, to himself at the cross through repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He then calls us to his body in a community through, um, through which we not only experience his grace, but then learn to offer it to the world. And so his call to us today is to not just re-engage Jesus so that you might be cleansed, but to also re-engage his community. Come and be a part and come humbly come boldly. Come knowing that if God has accepted you, no one has a right to reject you. And we come, we, we, we call to you, welcoming you in love into this community of faith by which you can grow in the grace of God, not only in the knowledge of God, but in the life of God and the purposes of God for your life. And so as we close today, let's end with a word of prayer where we ask God to really remove the obstacles, the obstacles that all of us have had in terms of re-engaging community. And for some of us, it's just learning to talk with people face to face again and learning the social skills of interaction, asking questions about others and not only sharing about our lives, but also being interested in the lives of others, knowing that they need us just as much as we need them in the grace of God. For some of us, it's overcoming the shame and the, the voice of accusation that we continually hear. But regardless of what it is, let's pray and ask God to help us now. 
God Almighty, we thank you so much for your word to us today that you've told us not only can we re-engage Christ no matter what type of checkered past we've come from, but we can also re-engage community. And God, we thank you that your grace is found there. And I'm praying that you would break down every accusation. You would silence every lie. You would really bring and tear down um, and really cover over every ounce of shame that people have because of either their checkered past or also their recent past, where because of their discouragements, they've found themselves out of the habits of seeking your faith and living in different types of sin. God, may you release your forgiveness. May you release your kindness and may you release your grace that draws people to repentance today. And in doing so, may you also draw people to not just the head who is Christ, but also your body by which people like the Apostle Paul can grow in the grace of God so that they might not only be healed, but then also like Ananias, be a participant in your healing process with the world. God, may we even throughout this week think of those who also um, are around us, family members, co-workers, and friends who also need to be invited into this place of healing, that they might be drawn along through the word of God, our prayers, and the faith that's released through the preaching of your word and the hearing of your word into a greater reconciliation with you, that they might ultimately live as disciples of you in Jesus' name. And for those of you who say, you know what? I, I, I hear this, but um, I, I'm, I'm right now in a place where I'm like Saul. And I've been set in opposition to the church. And I, I know that I've been in opposition, not just to the church of Jesus Christ, but to Jesus himself. When I was actually persecuting the church, I was persecuting, like Jesus said to Paul, I was persecuting him. And ultimately, I know that my life has been a mess. And regardless of my stance prior to this moment, I need his intervention in my life. I know that I would be judged by God and ultimately deserve death and hell, but I don't want to and I want to receive the good news that Paul himself experienced today in my life. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me so that you might be reconciled to God? Almighty God, I admit to you that like Paul, like Saul, I'm a sinner. And God, I know that for some of us out of ignorance, for others just out of rebellion. God, I've stood opposed to you and I deserve your judgment, death and hell. I've made a mess of my life. God, and I, I don't want it anymore. God, I, I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe that you sent Jesus, your son, to live the perfect life that I should have lived and die on that cross, the sacrificial death that I should have died. I know that you showed him to be the unique son of God by raising him from the dead three days later so that I could have not only that forgiveness, but new and eternal life in you. God, I submit to you today and I proclaim Jesus, my Lord. Will you help me to follow you and love you the rest of my days and even be added to community where my eyes can be open, I can experience your grace and learn how to walk with you from this point forward in Jesus name. Amen. Now, the good news is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life of grace in Jesus Christ. There are prayer counselors here for you. So if you'd like somebody to stand with you in prayers, please do click on that link. And additionally, 
come on out to our weekly services. We meet weekly right now at the Greenhouse Theater at 10 a.m. and would love to introduce you to others who can connect you not only with Jesus himself, but with the grace of God as a part of a loving, faith-filled community. So God bless you. Once again, we're so happy that you were with us today. And let's go back into worship now for the one that's loved us, loved us so. God bless you. Oh uh -huh. 
All right, we hope that you were strengthened by that last worship set and are once again filled with the encouragement that comes from the knowledge of God's great love for you. We're going to continue to talk about these matters in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found one, please do go to our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And also think about how you can share this link with others who also need to be spurred on by the grace of God towards them. Uh, Do invite those same people with you to our service next week. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.